Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, August 4th, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing, Adioye Jr. Joining me is the return of Imran, the Don Khan. Blemron Wednesdays are back, Blessing. They're back, baby. Imran, <laughs> how have you been? I've missed you so much. <laughs> I've missed you guys, too. Uh, I've been good. I've been... Wait, Blemron? Blemron? <laughs> Dude, that's what the... I don't know if you paid attention. That's what the audience calls us. Yeah, there's not there's get, not like, really any better way to put our names together. <laughs> I, like, I Kevin, what's the best you got? No, nah, that's boring. No. Oh, they can't hear Kevin. <laughs> Kevin right now is hating on the on, on the Blimron name, but I'm telling him right now, I don't think there's a, any better way to put our names together. Yeah. Plus, like, the problem is it, mine and Tim, Tim's name is perfect. So we have Tim Ron for Tim that. Ron. Mm-hmm. I forget what Greg and I were. I think that it was must just have been Greg Ron. Ron. Yeah. So Blemron makes sense. Blemron be... at the very least is as good as Greg Ron. Yeah. It could be Bless Ron, I guess, but like I Bless don't know. Ron works too. Bless yeah. Ron, I do like. I do I like Jet I like Blemron because it's so bad, honestly, because it just sounds terrible. Did you ever host with Jerry Petty? No, I don't think I've been okay. on a show or two with him, but I don't think I've ever hosted together. I'm trying to think of other people you would have hosted with that would that would have given you combination names. You did Gary Witta though, right? A couple of few times. I've, I've done a couple of Gary Witta ones. I've done some Andrea Renee ones. I can't. Uh, never hosted with Janet. Wit Ron. Yeah, would make sense for you and Gary. I think. Yeah, I mean, those were always Wednesdays when I hosted with Gary Witta. So I mm-hmm. think those were like, those were just, Gary gets his own name. Like he doesn't. He doesn't portmanteau with anybody. It is always just Witta Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. Imran, how has the fanbite life been? It's been good. It's like, I'm really... So, like, kind of funny is the sort of thing where you get paid to just kind of do whatever you want. I get that here of, like, I just want to write it, right? So, I... So, like, for example... Yeah, I'm As an example, is I paid too much for Ease 8. Because this, um, mm-hmm. I paid sixty dollars for it, and then a couple of minutes later, it went on sale for twenty bucks. So I'm like, I'm just gonna make some content out of this. So that's what I get to do, and then I get to bill it to the company. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I, I I got a lot of questions about Fanbyte because I follow Fanbyte on Twitter. I follow the articles. I, oh, I read up. I love... right, you got a job already, so calm down. You know <laughs> well, well, like, it looks like fan, like Fanbyte seems like they got budget to throw to throw around, and I'm trying to get into that. All right, because they're brand new. <laughs> well, not brand new, but like you know, they're up and coming. They seem to be growing by the day. And when I see Fanbyte articles come th- come through, they the energy that Fanbyte has, I really dig because it very much doesn't feel like a. We're tr- we're here to get clicks. It doesn't feel like a uh, like we're putting out guides and all the traditional stuff. It is very much here are our op eds. Here are what our editors have to say. Like you are very opinion opinionated uh, driven pieces, which I very much appreciate. But like, is that is that like the vision of Fanbyte? Like, what is what is the the central focus when it comes to comes to Fanbyte? I thought of it as like it's like a good Twitter timeline made into a website. 
of like mm. here's some actual like really good reporting here's some really good op-eds and here's just like what if we made drill into an article and like mm -hmm. that is that's kind of how i operate so because like sometimes i'll be like yeah i'm gonna spend a month reporting on this one thing and other times i will go i'm gonna spend five minutes writing about how annoying xenoblade 2 not say auto saving is and like if those are equal in my mind as stuff i want to do mm -hmm. god that's lovely Imran, mm -hmm. this is the thing I've been saying, right? And I told it, I, I said this to, uh, I think it was like Naughty Dog or somebody on an episode of PS Love. You only got to pay me $10 more, and I'm yours, Imran. Yeah. All right. Don't let Greg Miller hear this. Greg Miller, God if you listen to this right it. now, shut this down. <laughs> That's you the only worst catchphrase <laughs> you could ever put together, and I love it so much. <laughs> you only got to pay me $10 more, Imran. I feel so like that's kind of undervaluing yourself a little bit. Like, you, you, oh, you should at least strive for like 20 Like, get a good lunch out of it. I, I don't think you understand the place I'm at in life. I'm in a place where $20 can change everything, all right? <laughs> $20 can change my life dy uh, dynamically. And so just, just think about it, all right? Let that ruminate in your head. And as you're doing that, Imran, let's talk about today's stories, which include Ghost of Tsushima Legends going standalone, opening night live being two hours, and Sony wanting to sell a bunch more PS5s because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you a new games cast is up right now featuring special guest danny pena from gamer tag radio we talk all about our hype game launches of all time and we talk about uh that halo infinite with tim and andy uh they of course played the halo test uh, halo infinite test flight they're there to give you their impressions along with danny pena who also played and it's a very good episode check that out on youtube and podcast services around the globe also up, uh, I believe we talked about this uh, the, the last couple of episodes, but to bring it back up again, we do have our Patreon Platinum tier up and live. It is the beautiful image of Nick and Porty, uh, inspired by Rick and Morty. Nick is Rick, obviously, and Porty is Morty, and it is maybe my favorite Platinum tier art. And so if you want access to that, of course, you can go over to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames. And then tonight... Snowbike Mike and Barrett Courtney are doing an anime movie watch night that's going down at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time, and they're watching a movie called Summer Wars with you, the audience, that's going down right here on twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, and I believe they're getting that movie on Vudu, and so if you want to watch along, make sure to grab that. And then last but not least, The Blessing Show is back with a special event that is right. It's a 20-minute episode about Returnal, Hades, and the increasing popularity of roguelites that is going live as a YouTube premiere tomorrow, that is Thursday, at 9.30 a.m. So you can come through, chat as it's going live, uh, and have a good time. Uh, I believe Kevin has the trailer up what for us to watch right here. It's going through. Roguelike? I don't know if they can, can they hear sound, Kevin. Yeah, I can not. It's just dope. I can hear. I can hear sound. Wait back. Let's, let's watch it back from the from the top. Roger didn't the people have to hear this fresh on a trailer. That's the yeah. thing I appreciate about appreciate about Roger is that I keep telling Roger, you don't have like we we don't need to go this hard. Sorry, sorry, like sorry, we can relax. Here you go. What the f is a roguelike? Let's go special event. Again, YouTube.com is kind of funny games, 930. Roguelite, I don't know. 
there's a difference. We'll figure it out in the video. <laughs> <laughs> that won me over, man. That, that was oh, yeah. good. Let me tell you, it is the the best episode of the Blessing Show. I'll say that right now. Like it mm. is, we we've been working on it for a while. And again, as I was saying earlier, I tell Roger all the time that hey, we don't need to go this hard, and he just ignores me and he just puts in all the work he can into these videos, it's including the trailer. Right he hit me up about the trailer, and I was like, oh, are, we're recording additional stuff for the trailer. All right, let's do it. And yeah, he made it happen. And so shout out to Roger Picorni. Roger Picorni is like the doom slayer of video editing. And that, like, you'll be mm. like, he can't do that. That's just, like, that is well above and beyond. Then he just does it, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> great. It's like, all right, I didn't need to overkill this, but I guess we're here. <laughs> I guess I, I guess we're going all the way. And so, also, great smile, am I right, guys? Like, just great smile. Like he smiles, and it's like, oh, man, yeah. my day is better. <laughs> what a nice young man. Very nice young man, Roger Bercorny. Make his day and watch that episode of The Blessing Show. And make my day, too. Watch that episode. Again, tomorrow, 9.30 a.m., everybody show up. It's going to be a good time. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by DoorDash and Honey, but I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. It's time for some news. We have five stories today. Baker's dozen. Starting with our number one. Listen, all right. Greg Miller would usually save this for like story number four or five, but it's me hosting. All right. You got Blessing Adioye Jr. You got Imran Khan. And because you got me, we're talking about Ghost of Shima Legends at the front of the show. Uh, so for story number one, we finally have details on the new Ghost of Tsushima Legends content coming alongside Ghost of Shima Director's Cut. I'm pulling from Darren Bridges, who wrote a whole blog post over on the PlayStation blog detailing what you can expect. And uh, Kevin, I have a trailer you can bring up here. You can bring it up without sound. Uh, uh, and just play it as I'm reading through the article. Last October, we launched Ghost of Tsushima Legends, our very first online multiplayer project as a studio, which expanded the gameplay of Ghost of Tsushima into a supernatural world inspired by Japanese mythology. With just two weeks to go until Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, we wanted to talk about what's next for Legends. As always, just like all Legends content, every update detail below will be available at no additional charge to owners of any version of Ghost of Tsushima on PS4 or PS5 with no Director's Cut purchase required. Players on PS4 and PS5 will also be able to play together seamlessly, and progression in Legends carries over regardless of which console you're playing on. First, today, we're excited to reveal Rivals, an all-new mode coming to Ghost of Tsushima Legends on September 3rd, including new trophies and cosmetics. In Rivals, two teams of two will compete to defeat waves of enemies. With each defeated foe, you'll collect Magatama that, can, uh, that you can use to harm the other team. For example, you can spend Magatama on shades to block your opponent's purchases, curses, uh, health drain, exploding bodies, etc., watch a fire, and more. Once you've spent enough Magatama, you'll unlock final stand waves. Compete, complete those before the opposing team to win. Second, at the same time Rivals launches, we'll be releasing the Gear Mastery System. This is a new expansion of the progression system uh, and rewards for Legends. Players who've earned 110 level gear will now be able to bind it to a class and activate Mastery Challenges. This will allow a piece of gear, uh, a piece of gear's key level, to be upgraded to 120 and eventually, eventually unlock a second perk slot. As you activate Mastery Challenges, you can also unlock a new ability and new techniques for each class. Starting on August 20th, uh, the release date of Ghost of Shima Director's Cut, we're also releasing an update that will add new features to Legends, including some changes based on feedback from the community. This new standalone version of Legends will be available on the PlayStation Store for $19.99. That is $19.99. You're getting a standalone Legends. 
In addition to all the above, we'll be adding a new a new piece of content each week from September 10th through October 1st, including an additional Rivals map, new survival maps inspired by Iki Island in EO's realm, and the Trials of EO, a new harder difficulty version of last year's raid that offers challenges in bite-sized chunks and offers a new set of online leaderboards. I am very hyped for this uh, before, before I go off on it. Imran, I forget, what is your history with Legends? I've never got a chance to play Legends. I didn't find a group immediately because I think, like, I want to say I was busy around the time it came out. But, like, watching this and hearing about it and, like, I don't know. I feel What I feel like I missed out based on the things you, you specifically say about it. Mm. Uh, two, I kind of, maybe I want to leap into this thing. Maybe I get together with I, I know Khalif asked the other day, like, maybe we should get into Ghost of uh, Tsushima Legends. So maybe that's what I do, especially with this news. Here's my question to you, Blessing. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that secretly Sucker Punch is like a goat multiplayer developer? Oh, man, I like I like this question. I really like this question because when I read through this news story and I see the fact that they are dropping uh legends as a standalone thing, of course, it still comes comes with base Ghost of Shima for free, but they're making it available for $20 if you don't even want to buy um uh core the core Ghost of Shima Legends single player experience. That to me tells me that they know what they have here and they are trying to bring in more of a player base into legends and introduce more people uh, to it because they have a future for it like them them t- talking about weekly updates from september to october also tells me that they are thinking about it in a bigger way and i wouldn't i would i would be shocked if by the next time we get ghost ghost of shima 2 right that legends 2 isn't a thing that's already standalone and isn't already expanded into something even bigger and better because even as i was going through uh pulling in new stories for this kfgd i went and i just searched ghost of legends on youtube uh, in search of this trailer that kevin's playing and i was reminded of all of the reviews and impressions that came out of came out for legends uh during last year when it came out and videos talking about how oh man ghost of legends is really putting a lot of games the service games to shame based on how good it is based on how fun the content is based on how much content there is and based on based on how satisfying the gear and loot and upgrade system is there i think i think sucker punch you know if not a goat multiplayer developer has the stuff to actually have a really good multiplayer games on their hand that they can actually make last for years if they wanted to give it the support yeah this is the kind of thing that like in 10 10 15 years ago developers would do this sort of thing of let's just put a multiplayer mode into our single player game and see how it works out and then a lot of reviews and fan like consensus would like this is not as good as a single player mode i think they did it very smartly where they released a very good single player game and then released a free update of a very good multiplayer thing and are now just expanding upon that i can see this going a very similar route of i know you said with ghost 2 probably having a multiplayer mode i see it more like the last of us where the next game they go okay we're not doing the multiplayer mode with this game quite yet but we are going to include it or not include it we're going to expand out the ideas we've had and this kind of feels like what's happening there of we know you guys like this maybe that's what we build a team for next time yes and i and i i'm i'm with you that i think that is the likelier situation that legends 2 will be a standalone thing and whether or not they find a way to bundle it in with sing- with single player maybe there is like a discount system or maybe they're, they're they are like yo fuck it we can we can just have two games out of this thing and release 
Ghost Shima 2 in, let me just estimate random years, right? 2024. And then 2025, you do get Legends 2 as its own thing. And that feeds into what I think the strategy of Sony is for uh, the new this this new generation of PlayStation Studios, which is, hey, let's focus on a, a certain number of IP, but build into them and develop them, right? Like, let's take Last of Us. We had the reports of the Last of Us remake. Let's make that, right? You have the mobile strategy going down with PlayStation. Let's maybe make a Last of Us mobile thing. Let's also have a Last of Us TV show. The way that, the way that Sony is going, it seems like they're trying to do more with a bit fewer but make those fewer stand out and really bring in an audience and develop those the, those ip and i think ghost shima is going to be one of those ones that they try to develop as much as possible and making a spin-off branch of ghost of shima a multiplayer spin-off branch of ghost of shima i think is the smart way to do it because to your point we've seen plenty of developers plenty of games come out that are single player games that have tacked on multiplayer to them mm. uh last of us factions to me is an exception of wow this is a a phenomenal thing this is an excellent uh, multiplayer mode it with the single player game that you know usually doesn't pan out this way there are so many especially during the ps3 generation there's so many single player games that had multiplayer tacked onto them that just were whatever like weren't good weren't as fun and legends kind of is the furtherment of that where legends went above and beyond where now it's not only just a multiplayer game it's not only a really good multiplayer mode it is pretty much the other half of the experience for Ghost of Tsushima. I put in maybe just about as many hours as I put into Ghost of Tsushima single player as I did into Ghost of Tsushima Legends. And I had arguably a better time in Ghost of Tsushima Legends than I did in the single player just because it's that thing of when you have a really good gear system, when you have friends that you're playing with, when you have a really good raid with really good puzzles and really good combat, you get into that thing of, wow, this is a dynamically different way to play this game. And it is a different kind of fun that I'm having here compared to just exploring in an open world or not even just exploring, but exploring in an open world and yeah. going about a game that way. Yeah. And like uh, every show, Joe mentioned Assassin's Creed had a multiplayer mode back in the day and they sadly got rid of that, which is great or terrible because that mode was great. So I kind of like, I would like them to expand on this idea a little bit and see where they, where they take it. Honestly, like this is probably not going to happen, but now that they've shown they have multiplayer chops, what if they did like a multiplayer thing for Infamous, like a standalone multiplayer Ooh. thing? Maybe it plays like Phantom Dust. Maybe it's like you know, I don't know. But I would, I would honestly love to see that. Maybe it's I mean, an Overwatch style clone. Who knows? My my pitch for a Sucker Punch multiplayer uh, uh, Infamous game would be a uh, like you customize your own hero and you have a certain set of uh classes based on types of powers and so maybe you do have the coal you know like thunder electric based powers you have the uh neon powers you have yeah. video you have like you you class it out that way maybe add more classes as you go but it really is a customize your own thing and kind of like a greg miller probably go crazy for this right like an infamous version of a dc universe online but it is way more of an action game than it is an mmo it is you it is more of a gear loot game than anything else and you acquire i don't know certain clothing that'll for some reason enhance your power shit like that that'll make it fun i think there would be something awesome there i don't know if they would go back to infamous is is i think the one thing for me where uh uh PlayStation kind of already has their superhero franchise now with Spider-Man. And I think oh, when you man. have that, it's like, why go back to this other thing when they can just keep making Ghost of Tsushima? But I'd be all about it. I think that'd be a really cool game. Well, the, then the only answer is Sly Cooper multiplayer. 
Oh my god, could you imagine yes. like a yes. fucking uh, Splinter Cell style multiplayer, but it's Sly Cooper? Honestly, that Sly Cooper would be a good fit for the Assassin's Creed model of like just wander through a crowd and steal shit from people. That'd be really cool. Yes, honestly, think... I'd be, I'd be down for it. Yes. Okay. I I've now convinced myself I love this game that will never exist. <laughs> the an, another thing I do want to shout out and point out was what you mentioned earlier about folks like Khalif being like, oh man, should we jump into this? And you being like, man, I kind of want to jump into this. Yeah. This the the director's cut. I think it's cool for the DLC and expansion of the Iki Island stuff. I'm excited for that. But the idea of the director's cut kind of being the Trojan horse for let's get people re-excited about Legends and let, let's let make make people who might have missed out on Legends the first time around because plenty of people did miss out on it because, you know, I don't it wasn't marketed as big as the the core Ghost single-player experience. It wasn't it didn't feel like a huge thing. For the people that might have missed it the first time around, but maybe you heard other people talked about it, but didn't end up checking it out because they felt like they missed the boat. Director's Cut feels like the good opportunity for them to be like, all right, cool, let's really double down on Legends again and make it so that we're adding a new content, we're doing updates, we're giving stuff for the people that did play it and did uh, uh, max out their level, like people like me, but then also adding in a new mode and adding in stuff that will make people who missed the boat the first time around interested enough to feel that this this is their opportunity to check it out and get into it that way like this does feel like to me the primer of hey we want legends to be a thing we want it to continue to live and we want to possibly make a sequel to legends let's make this the final push and get as many people into this thing as possible so that so that by the time we get to releasing legends 2 we have a player base there that is already sold on it yeah honestly like this is it's a i i originally thought when I saw the Ghost of Shima Legends stuff that, like, this is maybe a little overpriced. I, I don't understand why they're charging, like, 10 bucks for an upgrade, but, like, honestly, if you compare it to, say, Nintendo, like, in the way their Switch upgrades work, like, this is not bad. This is actually, like, a pretty compelling package now. And, like, oh, yeah. if, if you're someone who's going to do, like, you're going to do the co-op and the single player, then this is by far, like, one of the best, like, best deals of the year, maybe a little talk, or saying too much, but... If, if you've never it's played Ghost of yeah, you get into this yeah. thing. Like, because it's a definitive edition where you're getting, uh, you're getting more DLC, right? You're getting expansion that might end up being what ten hours long, uh, uh, judging by how much how much seems to be in there, uh, and their plot synopsis and all that. It seems like it's pretty substantial content. You're getting Legends content, uh, if you're a uh, if you're a person that loves to jump into that, like you're getting that as well, and you're getting like the next gen enhancements. And I know there's an argument back and forth of like, well, that should be free, right? Like that's on the Xbox side, they have smart delivery, and that takes takes care of all that. I do think there is a push and pull there of what is worth what but for what this is they're marketing it as a director's cut which is basically a definitive edition with more content in there so i understand i i understand the the premium uh price tag alongside that i also get the frustrations of people that are like i just want to i just want to play the shinier version i just want to play the next gen version i don't like yeah. paying extra for that but you know again it's that push and pull yeah i i guess like the ultimate answer is, do you want more Ghost of Shima? Here's more Ghost of Shima. And, like, mm -hmm. I I want more Ghost of Shima. I, I feel... I, so someone in chat pointed out that we both say, instead of Ghost of Tsushima, we say Goshima. Do we? Ghost of Shima? I guess we, I roll it in. Go, if yeah, I say it fast, Ghost of Shima. 
Titles but I am saying Ghost long. of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, yes. But I don't like, think people understand. There are so many words we have to say in one podcast. And some, yeah. sometimes you just got to jam them together. We got to, for the interest of time, like push all these titles together. It's like Blemron. <laughs> it is like Blemron. Yeah. Exactly. Imran, let's get this Blemron train continuing to go with story number two. Gamescom 2021 opening night live is going to be two hours long. This is Ollie Jones at Games Radar. Gamescom 2021's opening night live showcase date and time have been confirmed. In a tweet earlier today, presenter Jeff Keighley announced that this year's show will take place on Wednesday, August 25th, starting at 11 a.m. Pacific time. The two-hour showcase will offer a, quote, new look at this holiday's biggest upcoming video games and what lies beyond, end quote. Jeff Keighley tweeted out the following, quote, Three weeks from today, get a new look at this holiday's biggest upcoming video games and what lies beyond at Gamescom Opening Night Live, a live two-hour showcase, end quote. Last year's Opening Night Live featured an impressive slate of games, uh, game trailer, game trailers, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, Dragon Age 4, and Ratchet and & Clank Rift Apart were among the highlights featured in 2020. With a whole suite of titles due out this year, now delayed into 2022, including God of War Ragnarok and maybe even Horizon Forbidden West, and a full two hours of games to show off, this year's Gamescom could be pretty stacked, making Opening Night Live 2021 a showcase that's not to be missed. Imran, where are you at with opening night live this year? Do you feel like it's a it's a different one this year now that it feels like there is so much to talk about because games have gotten delayed and, and you have a big 2022 to look forward to now in games? So like last year, we we streamed it. And I remember being like, there's not a whole lot to this show. Like it was, I, I mean, granted, that was Jeff Keighley's first Gamescom opening night live, I think. And... There was no, just I think like that was his second or third because he did a live. I think he did a live one in front of an audience a few years ago. Okay. So oh, yeah. few, he has a few he's done. That was the one they actually showed what Death Stranding was. The one before that. Yes. And so Erica. last year, yeah, last year it was like okay, they said Ratchet and Clank was launch window, and that was kind of the biggest takeaway from that show. Mm-hmm. I think after Summer Games Fest, which was also you know Elden Ring aside, not super bombastic. I think I'm cautiously optimistic about this like jeff Keeley knows his shows need at least one big thing so like i'm i'm watching for the expectation of one big thing but also last year was like there were new consoles on the way but also it was a pandemic year so it's really hard to say like how it should have been versus this year which is still has a pandemic but there's no new consoles i if if it is a show focused on the stuff for 2020 that has been delayed to 2022 that we've not seen enough yet. I'm very, I will be very happy with that. If it's a show that's like, here are all these updates. Here's, here's a bunch of updates of stuff. We already know was coming the rest of the year. Like mm-hmm. here's, if I see death loop with that show, I'm going to be bored. <laughs> of it. I, I'm really excited for death loop. I've seen way too much death loop at this point. I'm with you. I death loop is my most anticipated game this fall, probably. And I've seen maybe four times too much Deathloop. Like uh, four trailers ago, I was good. Yeah, I was yeah. sold by from the first trailer. And of course, I know you got to give me multiple. I understand that. And I'm down to see a bunch of trailers. But we're eight trailers in now. And I'm like, I'm I'm good. I'm good. That's enough slices. All right. Yeah. It's like also who is who is planning to do their own show in September? That's going to be a different question. Because if they mm-hmm. if you do, let's say hypothetically, there is a Nintendo Direct, there is a State of Play, there's a Ubisoft Forward in September. I don't see any of those companies showing big things necessarily for 
uh, Gamescom. Mm-hmm. I also expect, like, based on what Jeff Keighley has been tweeting, I'd expect some Activision Blizzard presence at his show, which mm. maybe that's not going to be reading the room quite well. Who yeah, knows? I mean, we'll that's, a, that's a good point. Like, do you see Activision Blizzard presence at a show that's going down three weeks from now? Because I don't... I. I think if if that was the expectation before, if that was the plan before, I don't know if that's still the plan. Um, and I, it, we're in an interesting place where Call of Duty is a game that has to come out in the fall for Activision, and that's a game that they're going to want to promo at some point. But how how they go about promoing it is going to be really interesting because over the last couple of weeks, we've seen pretty much all their social media stop. We've seen them stop promoting new stuff. We've seen them kind of halt everything based on uh, all the allegations and all the, the reports and the, the lawsuits and everything going, going down with Blizzard with Activision Blizzard. It is a shitstorm over there right now. Yeah. And so I don't know. I three, three weeks from now doesn't feel like long enough to let things kind of chill down. Like it feels like, and especially for Jeff Keighley and you're doing old game, uh, Gamescom opening that live for him. I, I can see, I can see Jeff being like call of duty is big. Call of duty is a big get for us, but not right now. Like you guys are going to bring more harm than good. If I'm going to show you guys off at our conference. I mean, Diablo is like, honestly, I bet he would love to show Diablo there, but do you show Diablo now in a situation where people are going to be like, I can't believe he took Activision Blizzard money. Yep. Or yep. he or Gamescom or whoever. Who knows what's actually like it's hard to guess. I am I am hopeful for the best. I am hopeful that it's going to be a very good show. There's a lot of thing there's a lot of possible pratfalls between now and the end of Gamescom. Mm-hmm. Imran, I want to bring in a question from Comrade Blue, who writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny games, just like you can, and says, Hey, blessing Imran, with Jeff announcing that Gamescom is going to be two full hours, do you expect to see any game awards level big banger announcements? If so, what would you like to see? Do you also think that this is where Sony will formally address the, the horizon delay, or will we have to wait for another state of play? Thanks for the great content. There's a few things that I bring in going, going into this. The fact that uh, you kind of mentioned it before, right? Like, what do people have going on in September and beyond in terms of their own events? PlayStation being the big one. Are we going to see a PlayStation State of Play this fall where they do announce uh, uh, either a New Horizon date or... Um, I say New Horizon, it makes it sound like Animal Crossing. But it's, you know <laughs> what I mean. Horizon Free and West date and other stuff. Or does Sony see this as the opportunity to be like, cool, we can just we can just announce shit at opening night live and then maybe game awards we can announce a god of war thing as opposed to doing doing our own thing i could see it leaning either way um but a horizon delay is an interesting thing to try and uh um communicate because i think for playstation knowing playstation that that might just be a playstation blog that might just be a thing that is buried in a herman holst q a or a thing that is just a hey, like this game is delayed in early 2022 and not really uh, acknowledged. Like you don't, they don't put eyes on it. You know, I think it's either that or, or I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know how, how else you do yeah. this PlayStation. It's going to be an interview with like the director of Horizon and it's going to be like, hey, we're working on this, this, and this. As such, this game is going to take a little bit longer to t- come out than we assumed. Also global pandemic, also blah, 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 blah. Yes. And like, I think that's probably the way to do it because, like, there's no good way to deliver bad news, but you couch it between as much good news as possible. And I think Horizon in 2022 is like one we we more or less know the story because Schreier has Schreier and Grub have come out and outright said, "Yeah, that game's coming out not this year." Yeah, it's delayed. I I expect 
when they do eventually like give the date, it'll probably be like first quarter, maybe second quarter. It's not gonna. It won't sting so. Like I saw someone mention, I might. It actually might have been on the kind of funny subreddit. But like, if a game gets delayed from May to September, we're not like, oh man, that's so long. Like we're like, okay, yeah, fine. That's you know, that's one season away. Uh, mm-hmm. But if a game gets delayed from November to February, we all get like, we all lose our minds. I think if Horizon has a Q one date, everyone's gonna be like, oh yeah, that's that's totally fine. I. I don't expect it will be at Gamescom. Like like you said, probably just the PS blog thing. Yeah. I in my head, I want it to be against Breath of the Wild too because I think that <laughs> that comparison is funny. I, dude, it's I feel like it sucks that Horizon continues to be in the place where in 2022 is gonna get those those comparisons, especially if it somehow comes out after Breath of the Wild uh, too. It is especially gonna get uh, get those comparisons. And next year for Game of the Year, it might not matter as much because it's gonna be a very competitive Game Awards year next year when we're talking about Elden Ring and uh, possibly a Starfield and uh, God of War Ragnarok and the amount of big heavy hitter games that are slated for 2022 right now is insane that horizon forbidden west is one that um, like unless like it is a banger banger because of course right i think horizon zero dawn the first one was a banger but like i wouldn't compare it in my mind to a god of war or a like s tier oh red dead redemption 2 is automatically in those talks kind of thing you know like it's it's going to be a competitive year for yeah. it but yeah, if it came out like in the same week as Breath of the Wild too, that, that that would just be extra sting of like, oh god damn it! <laughs> like people are gonna, the people that are gonna play those games are gonna play those games regardless. And I think it is very much the uses of the world that are going to bring bring in that discussion and keep and continue to talk about those games in conjunction with one another. But like, you know, it's not gonna fuck up sales or anything like that. But it's still yeah. gonna be like this hilarious thing of, oh yeah, well, did you finish Horizon Forbidden West? Nah, man, it came out the week before Breath of the Wild two again, and so like I got I got uh, distracted halfway through to go play this other game. The discussions are fun until it starts getting console worry. Then it's like, okay, we this has now become not fun. Like I, I want to, I do want to directly compare those two games, and I want to like actually look at what did Horizon Two learn from the first game, what did it learn from Breath of the Wild, and mm-hmm. those are interesting analytical discussions. But the second someone's like, I dislike this game because it's not on the console I own, or it's not the company that I prefer, then I'm like, okay, shut it down. We're we're done. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah we're done here. It's nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm at the place now where I I don't think we see Horizon at op- at opening that live whatsoever because yeah. I I think if you're gonna come out and talk about a delay for that game, you're going to talk about it while also giving the stamp for, you know, it's coming out March third. I I think you I think at this point for Horizon you give a date if you're going to announce its delay, yeah. and I don't think you do that this early as Sony. I think it's kind of it's it's too risky to come out this early and be like, hey, yeah, we're aiming for March whatever for horizon when who knows maybe the closer you get to it it could get delayed again i don't think they want that situation so i think they keep their cards close to the chest for that yeah i think if it's i if i had to guess i would say probably does not fall in this financial year so maybe april but we'll we'll see like i our april through whatever the rest of the year but like mm-hmm. They again to bring it back to last year's Gamescom. They said Ratchet and Clank is launch window. To them, launch window meant June. June. So, <laughs> like, who really knows? The pandemic affects a lot of things, and even if it didn't, game development is a weird, messy thing that with constantly floating targets and schedules. So, I I hope for March because I want to play the game, but mm-hmm. who knows? 
Imran, let's keep talking about Sony. Story number three. Sony wants to sell 22 million PS5s by March. This is from Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. Sony claims it secured enough components to put 12 million more PS5 consoles into the market during its current fiscal year, which ends March 31st, 2022. Speaking during a web call on Thursday transcribed by VGC, CFO Hiroki Totoki claimed that Sony has secured enough semiconductors, which have been in short supply during the pandemic, to achieve its fiscal year target of selling 14.8 million PS5s. Quote, the shortage of semiconductors has impacts in various areas and through various, uh, through various measures, we have been taking some action, he said. For PS5, the target has been set for the number of units to be sold this year, and we have secured the number of chips that is necessary to achieve that. Regarding the supply of semiconductors, we are not concerned, end quote. In Sony's previous earnings call in April, Totoki had said that Sony did not expect to, to, com to completely resolve supply issues that have, that have seen PS5 widely sold out since launch. The exec said at the time that Sony was considering various solutions to help it cope with a global shortage of hardware components, including potentially altering hardware designs or sourcing secondary suppliers. The console remains hard to find nine months after its launch last November, with each new batch of systems selling out almost instantly. While it is unlikely that Sony's news will change this will change this in the short term, the hope uh, the hope is that by securing these semiconductors, it'll eventually be able to produce enough supply to meet demand. 7.8 million of those PS5 sales were recorded during Sony's previous fiscal year, meaning it has around 12 million of its current FY target left to go. Imran, do you believe that we can sell 12 more million PS5s by March? There should be, like, even if you didn't release another piece of software for that thing, I think momentum is going to carry it. Just the fact that people can't play or can't own one right now, I think is enough to drive them wanting one. What's interesting to me in all these Sony things is that, like, like the fact we can't, we don't hear about anybody owning those things, but they're breaking records left and right. Like, these things are yeah. selling quite fast. And, like, supply, 22 million by the end of the second year is, like, that's as much as the that's more than the GameCube sold over five years. Like, it's not a small number. So what that says to me is either they're not like they're very optimistic about this number, or all of these are being bought by bots, and the they don't have a good sense of who who how many people actually own a PS Five right now, mm -hmm. which or they do have a very good sense, and we don't have a good sense, I should say. So, but like, yeah, I. Godspeed. I, that's a, I think they'll hit it. I think it mm -hmm. should should not be a problem. If they start getting that software out there, great. If they don't, I don't think it's going to be that big a deal. I think Deathloop probably not going to drive consoles, but like, I don't know. Like, Ratchet and Clank sold pretty well, or seemingly sold pretty well. Returnal did not do that great, just by judging by the numbers they gave out a couple of weeks ago, and they didn't give out Demon Souls numbers at all. So mm -hmm. the number, the games I would have thought were like console drivers have not really been console drivers the console is just kind of driving itself right now well when you mentioned the amount of playstations that are out in the wild and you know scalpers and bots versus actual consumers i i look at the one million figure for ration clank and i mean i think that is kind of proof in the pudding that yeah like people are getting their the, people are getting their hands on this thing like there's enough ps5s out there to where the tenth of, of an audience showed up for uh this one game right that has that has the console yeah and so in 
it's an interesting thing because I'm right there with you in terms of the demand versus the numbers where you look at 10 million and that is a that is a really incredible number, especially when you compare it to PS4. Like that is slightly faster than the how the PS4 sold. But you look around and everybody still seems to not be able to get their hands on one. We talked about, about this a bit on PS I Love You this week that everybody should go listen to. And uh, it's that thing of demand for video games has just been so high over the last year because of the pandemic that you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that compounded everything to where it's not even the fact that uh, there aren't PS5s out in the wild. It's the fact that just so many more people out there want PS5s. Uh, we talk about the the um, console sellers, right? And, you know, we mentioned Deathloop doesn't seem to be a game that would be as much of a console seller, but we do, ha- we do have Ratchet & Clank out there right now. We did have Miles Morales come out at launch, which you could get on PS4, but that is still going to sell PS5 somewhat you have you have games like returnal with death loop and third party stuff that is going to sell these platforms uh and with that like it seems it, it seems like demand is kind of off the chain right now to the point where i look at the figure they put out for 22 million uh, uh by march next year and yeah like if they're able to produce that much then they should have no problem selling that much because these things are selling as they're being produced like, and that's a it it's 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 that thing where the only thing holding back the PS5 sales right now are Sony and how much like the efficiency that they're able to do this with and how many semiconductors they're actually able to get their hands on. It seems like yeah, I I think they they will have no problem hitting this number. I'm just like, I, I this is not meant to sound as negative as it does, but like mm. I kind of wonder when the tide will turn a little bit on like mm. okay now where's the software. And presumably the software will come. It just, you know, is that going to have, like, will they hit that inflection point this year or will they hit it next year or whatever? Do you feel like they're there now? I don't think they're there now. I don't, I I mean, like, like, in terms of that being an an issue, like, do you think there are folks that are, that uh, are hungering for more software right now with the platform? Or do you think they run the risk of that in in, uh, upcoming years? I think they're doing very well with software because everyone is buying the stuff they are releasing. I think looking at the rest of the year, I, we just talked about how Ghost of Tsushima is like a really good game to pick up a PS5, but like it's a it's a PS4, it's a port with more stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to really it's not the new console experience I was really thinking about. And most of what I play on my PS5 has been old games or PS4 games at this point. I I think by the time the big hitters come, and by big hitters I am talking about Horizon, God of War, and mm. stuff like that, then it will be a non-issue, and nobody will ever remember the fact that there was somewhat of a software drought, and there was a pandemic again, and that does change things. But I, I think they are good cruising in momentum for the, I would say, at least through 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely hear you. Like, I think there right now, in terms of what you're saying, there is a lack of a God of War, you know, like a uh, a Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, I think the closest we've gotten so far have been both something like Demon Souls for the super hardcore crowd, and then Ratchet and Clank for the mainstream. In terms of right. something that feels like a oh, I'm gonna show up and buy a console for this kind of game. But right. you know, there's not been like we we've we've had this talk. Uh, uh, I forget if it was on Gamescast KPD or if it was on PS Love You about. Um, you know, like the 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 big hitters in terms of the you know this year, I look at this at the slate of games this year, and there's not for me an obvious game of the year. 
I know what my game of the year is, and that's re that's Returnal currently. But I can make an argument also that Chicory might be my favorite game of the year based on like how much I love the story and love the art style and all that stuff. I can make a take, uh, or I can make a case for It Takes Two as well for how much fun I had with that game. I can make a case for like five different games right now in terms of what could be my game of the year, and I can look at plenty of other games uh, in in terms of what they bring to the table and make the case that no, these other games can be game of the year. But there's not a God of War. There's not a Red Dead Redemption Two. There's not a last of this part two there's not a final fantasy 7 remake and there's not there, for playstation right there's not that exclusive that totally dominates the conversation and makes it a thing that oh everybody needs to show up for this thing right like even like an animal crossing new Hori new horizons which is a little bit of a different example that's the game that came out last year and that sold like 30 million units over that mm -hmm. and this year you don't have that um and and you know i don't think there's that yet for the next gen consoles and so i think we're kind of waiting for that to come around in terms of the in terms of what you're talking about um yeah. so i'm right there with you i think this is the year that like we're f we're really feeling the effects of stuff that should have come out last year mm. and still can't come out this year and will probably c come out next year but i think like the reason i harp on software for the ps5 so much is that i felt like ratchet and clank should have been the turning point where the floodgates just opened and again i mentioned this 17 times during this uh uh, podcast show whatever pandemic affected things but like i really loved rift apart and mm -hmm. for it like i expected everything just that to like open the floodgates and for games to just come pouring out after that and it hasn't and i think at mm -hmm. some point there may be like a mainstream notice of the fact that thus far there hasn't been anything really compelling beyond rift apart for a, a number of people uh Again, we're going to get to next year, maybe the, by the end of the year, and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? The PS5 has always had games. Mm -hmm. And just forget the fact I mean, that... Emma, have you played The Forgotten City? I, I did buy it. I've not played okay. it. Okay. Because, I mean, that's a compelling game right there. That and Chicory are like, I have played Chicory. Right now. Chicory is in my top 10. Yes. Chicory is so good. The Forgotten City is one that I think is going to be a slow burn for a lot of people in terms of people actually picking up and playing playing it because for me it came out under the radar. I didn't know what that game was until legit we talked about it on the show and I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. Um, but I think a lot of people are, are going to dig dig that game as well. But you know, for what you're talking about, what you're saying, right? Like that's a game that's going to be for a very niche uh, audience of people. Something like Chicory as well is going to be for a very niche audience of people. Um, and there are like. You know, I would kind of go back and forth. Like, I, I would say that right now PlayStation does have the games when you talk about Returnal and Ratchet and Demon's Souls and Miles. And I think in terms of in terms of sales numbers, I mean, I think those are hindered by the fact that there just aren't that many, uh, or not that there are not that many PS5s out there, but you're still in the launch phase in terms of how many PS5s you can have out there. And so, like, for 550,000 units or copies sold of Returnal, right, I, I look at that and I look at 10 million ps5s and i go all right well that's like 120th of people with ps5s and so that's not as uh that's like that's not dire right and it looks like playstation for the way they look at it they call it a, a mega hit they bought uh housemark right after it and so they have some sense of pride and uh, uh a, a sense of accomplishment when it comes to how returnal did but I definitely understand like for different groups of people that's going to hit differently depending on the kinds of games that you're looking forward to coming from, uh, uh, or being part of the PlayStation audience. Yeah. I, again, nothing's wrong. It's always a matter of like what can be done better. And like that may seem like nitpicking, but I think there, there were some circumstances this year that have resulted in like this, this game or this launch year not being as full as it maybe could have been. 
And I think I I'm really very much looking forward to those games eventually coming out. Mm. Remember everybody, you can go over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let us tell you about our sponsors. This show is brought to you by DoorDash. Did you forget that one thing at the store? Well, now you can get the snacks, drinks, and household essentials that you need in 30 minutes with DoorDash. Get drinks, snacks, and other household items delivered in under an hour. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want from where you want, and your items be left safely outside your door with the contactless delivery drop-off setting. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code Game. Games 2021. For our Canadian listeners, use code GAMESCA. That's 25% off up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code GAMES2021 in the US and GAMESCA in Canada. Don't forget that's code GAMES2021 or GAMESCA for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. We're also brought to you by Honey. We all shop online and we've all seen that promo code field Thomas at checkout. But thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Imagine you're shopping one of your favorite sites. When you check out, the Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for the coupons it can find for that site. If Honey finds a working coupon, you'll watch the prices drop drop kind of funny loves honey tim tells you all the time that you should click that dang honey button it saved us a ton of money shopping online and it can save you money too honey has found its over 17 million members over two billion dollars in savings if you don't already have honey you can be straight up missing out on free savings get honey for free at joinhoney.com games that's joinhoney.com games and we're back with story number four. Let's talk about a couple of Activision Blizzard updates. Uh, we're going to start with Steven Messner at PC Gamer, who writes, Blizzard's head of HR is gone as well. Blizzard president J. Allen Brack isn't the only executive departing the company today, and this is written yesterday. First reported by Bloomberg, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson confirmed to PC Gamer that Jesse Meschuk, formerly Blizzard's senior vice president of HR, is, quote, no longer with the company, end quote. Activision Blizzard did not provide a more detailed timeline for when Meschuk left. Meschuk was the head of Blizzard's human resources department, which allegedly worked to cover up abuses and was deeply dysfunctional, according to a report by Axios. Uh, following that, I'm pulling in a different report from Luke, Luke Plunkett at Kotaku, who writes about how Fran Townsend, the Activision Blizzard executive who was blocking her employees on Twitter, has deactivated her Twitter account. Over the weekend, amidst all the turmoil and toxic publicity being generated by the investigation subsequent lawsuit from the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing over the company's abusive workplace conditions, Activision Blizzard's Fran Townsend thought it would be the perfect time to tweet, quote, the problem with whistleblowing, end quote. In an update, Fran Townsend now appears to have nuked her Twitter account altogether. We've reached out to Activision Blizzard for, for, for further clarification. To recap, this is a woman who, in the wake of the DFEH's suit, becoming public, sent an email to staff calling it meritless and was so widely criticized, it was specifically mentioned as a cause of last week's walkout. Imran, where, with where we're at in this Activision Blizzard saga that's been going on over the last couple of weeks and the last decade and a half, or is however long Activision Blizzard has been around, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 
we've seen yesterday the news of Jalen Brack uh, uh, stepping down from Blizzard. We're now seeing HR leave, and we're seeing the dominoes start to fall in terms of repercussions and reactions from this whole thing. Where are you at with this latest news? So, one, I think... I have two minds on the departure from Blizzard. Mm-hmm. One, I think Brack is absolutely being used as a scapegoat, but that doesn't mean he didn't need to go. He, he fucking needed to go. He was... Mm-hmm part and parcel with all of this stuff and if worst case scenario or that he actually had nothing to do with it he still oversaw a company of which it was like rife so he he absolutely needed to step down uh but he's like this is not the end of this this is the start there should have been there should be so many more departures not just in blizzard but in like activision blizzard as well you can't and like Eve's Game O, I'm talking to you. Like you can't run a company that is this rotten to the core and not and claim you had nothing to do with it. You had no knowledge of it or anything like that. That should cost you your employment. And like it's good these two uh that Brack and uh the HR president Meschuk are mm-hmm. leaving, but they're they're two people when there should probably be a Many couple more. of dozen heads that roll. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right uh, there with you. Like, I I look at uh, so many of the shit that was coming out uh, last week regarding the images of the whole Cosby suite situation and seeing the people that are in that photo and seeing people from HR involved in all that stuff. Like, that was the thing that kind of made me sick to my stomach as I was looking at it because I'm like, dude, like, even HR isn't on your side, dude. Like, what, like there, for so many of these workers, there's not much you can do in these situations uh, with that. And so it's, it's, for me, nice to see that uh, head of HR uh, is stepping down as well. Uh, but then also seeing like, you know, we talk about who's responsible are the people at the top that, you know, for some reason had no idea this is going on or claim to have no idea this is going on. Like how, where do they stand? I remember the first, um, in the first days of these, of these reportings, it was me and Greg and we were talking about the statement from JL and Brack because he put out a whole statement, uh, uh, to the staff talking about how, like, uh, we're going to do better. Like, you know, um, I didn't know this was happening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then later on, you have the video surface of the the um, the con where the uh, lady went up and asked the question of, you know, what are you guys doing in terms of female representation in Call of Duty and all this stuff? And J. Allen Brack literally being on the panel and the the response they give, they gave being this disgusting response of like, oh, man, you know, we're not going to have them look like they're from this magazine. What about what other magazine do you want them to be? And having it be this like disgraceful thing of, wow, this is how you guys think uh, of women. And this is how you guys want to treat women. And this is how you guys want to respond to women who bring, bring forward issues that they may have with representation in your games. Like that is a disgusting thing. And, you know, you don't get to turn around and go, I didn't know this is the culture here where, when you are the one that helped foster that culture. Um, and so, yeah, I'm with you that you, we, this needs to be the start. This can't be the the end all. We need to keep going with this. Here's my advice to all executives that have a statement planned that says, I didn't know about this. Shut the fuck up because there's one, there's no mm-hmm. way you didn't. Two, even if you didn't, you were still presiding over it. And that like the buck stops with you. Three, there's always receipts. There are always going to be people who say like, yeah, I lodged a complaint. How the fuck did you not know about it? What structure do you have that does not, that leads to you not knowing about these things? And like, if that's a structure, then you're at fault because you didn't want to know about it. You didn't want to know what was going on in your own company. So like, just one, just don't fucking say that. Don't, don't put that. That is asking people to go like, Hey, prove me wrong because I'm an idiot. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. And I want to correct myself. I think I said Call of Duty. I meant World of Warcraft talking about the JL and Bragg situation. Yeah. But yeah, like we're, we're of course going to keep talking about this on the show and reporting as new, new updates come out. But like, you know, again, power to the workers that are out there uh, doing the walkout, like participating and really fighting for a better work environment and trying to bring all this shit, all the, all this toxic shit and shit in the workplace down because that 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 is the thing that has been warming my heart through all this is it seems like it is making big waves in terms of the talks about unionization in the industry and workers coming together in the industry and even seeing workers from ubisoft as well come to to support and um seeing the uh i forget his name but the executive who used to be at uh, uh activision blizzard who's now at undead labs and others uh mm-hmm. and, and another studio talking about how you know they're supporting unionization and is is, is like giving giving their account on on uh, activision blizzard in the environment there again it's very nice to see folks coming together this way and trying to fight for what's good because yeah this shit needs to go yeah i want to hit the fran townsend thing real quick Mm -hmm. if your obituary is going to include the words torture apologist you don't have the right to talk anymore you Mm. don't get to represent a company you don't get to be in public you just get to like fuck off to some small little island and live there like i've already seen way too much of this woman she just needs to get the fuck out of like my industry and every other industry yeah oh yeah i'm right there with you when we were talking about it last week you know coming off of the jail and brack statement of him him trying to like appease to hit the the workers there and then like the immediately immediate next news story was from fran townsend talking about basically like whistleblowing and how like this shit is meritless and all this shit for all of that to be followed up by her blocking people on twitter that work for her company it's like oh man you are like this is a this is a tone deaf move to like the greatest extent and yeah when yeah there's a there's a lot to get into it get into with it but i mean there's just the fact that if you go on the activision blizzard website right now she has a page there you know her photos there like she is an executive executive over there uh and that's unacceptable (laughs) and so like yeah i I'm hoping something's done about that. Like I, I, I want to see her go the way of uh, uh, J. Allen Brack, and you know, I, I hope all all the toxic seeds that are over there. You know, I hope they get taken out. Yep. Imran, let's talk about some shit we're really excited for. With story number five, uh, we got a couple of Street Fighter updates. Starting with Street Fighter Five, it has gotten its final new character. Kevin, I have a video you can pull up here from the Street Fighter Twitter that shows off this new character. They tweeted out uh, earlier, meet Luke, the brand new final character for Street Fighter Five and a key player in the future of Street Fighter. Hashtag SFV Summer Update 2021. Following that, I want to pull a little snippet from an article from Mike Werder at Polygon. Capcom revealed Street Fighter V's final character, the roster's 45th fighter, on Tuesday. It's Luke, a brand new fighter, quote, that specializes in moving fast and hitting hard, end quote. More importantly, Luke's reveal was pitched by Capcom as a peek at the future of the Street Fighter uh, series. So don't be surprised when he shows up as a central character in Street Fighter VI. Imran, what does Luke do for you? Nothing, really. And also, I think it kind of sucks to, like, end the Street Fighter V with a character that's just a tease for the next game. Like, uh, presumably Luke is going to be, like, the non-Ryu protagonist of the next game, like Nikali was for this one. And presumably he will matter just as much as Nikali did in this game, which is not at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he... I don't know. They they put an MMA fighter in, which is, I guess, just a matter of time, but... I It's, it's weird, though, that he, it seems like he's going to be the central one, right? Because 
Street Fighter is not the game I look I look forward to for MMA style combat. Like that feels like a you know a character that I that I would choose because I'm trying to use a different character, right? Like that is a style that is a stylized move set right there. Yeah. And so for that to be a central like no, this, he's 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 the guy we're gonna tease for Street Fighter Six. I think is a very interesting move. Yeah, Street Fighter. I don't know. Like if you're if you're gonna show off or tease your next game with like boring ass kid rock looking white dude with blonde hair like i'm already kind of asleep at this point like just just show the damn game at this point i don't i don't i have nothing i have no real interest in this character beyond wow they kind of they could have ended sf5 with like another street fighter character really mm-hmm well, um, I want to keep talking about this for a second because I want to know what your thoughts are on Street Fighter Six and when when we can expect Street Fighter Six. Because uh, coming off of this, we also have two Street Fighter characters coming to Fortnite. I'm pulling from a Fortnite press release where they write this: "Here comes two new challengers, iconic Street Fighter stars, Cami and Guile, are coming to the item shop on August seventh at eight p.m. Eastern time. Making his way from the airbase to the battle bus, Guile, in all of his flat flat top glory, touches down in Fortnite." The Gal outfit showcases the classic green fatigues first worn in the original Street Fighter 2 and adds a beach-ready glistening Guile variant and KO back bling. And then, a member of Delta Red, Cami is ready for action. Alongside the classic Cami outfit, you'll also be able to equip the Borealis backer back bling and tactical Cami variant. Imran, do, like, where are you at with... One, you know, does this speak to you? Like, how do you think about Cammy and Gal coming to, to, to Fortnite? But then also, like, is Street Fighter 6 right around the corner? I would, so, from the Capcom leak, we know that Street Fighter 6 is in development. We, I don't remember if it was in the leak or if it was rumored, but supposedly there was a version of it, like, it was a kind of a tag fighter that didn't work out great, and, like, since mm. then, Ono has left, and they've, like, kind of rebooted development of the game. So it might, like, it's been, like, this Street Fighter Five season is kind of like a an extra season while they've been working on this rebooted Six. So I assume it was probably, like, at the end of a Capcom Pro Tour, or maybe now that Sony owns Evo, maybe it's at next Evo or something, like, to be revealed. But I, I don't think it's more than, like, a year and a half, or a year, a year and a half away. Like, I assume it's probably fairly around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the Fortnite characters, Cammy looks great. I really like that they gave her pants. Honestly, like that is it. It fits her character. And it fits the new or fits a good design. It's a little surprising considering how horny Chun Li was, but like I cool. Guile looks. I'm not gonna talk shit about Halloween, but it looks like a Halloween ass costume. It looks like a guy that you knew from college, deciding he wants to go as Guile to the party. And got her together in the last like two days. Damn, just just straight up roast. Look for at this look at like it looks like the hair is just pasted on. Hold on, Kevin, can you bring it up again? I gotta see it one more time. Like it's and the the face looks wrong. The outfit look like I don't know. It's it's not guile in any way. I think. Hold on, I'm I'm pulling it up right now. Okay, I, I'm getting a closer look. I yeah, Sorry, I see what I, you're I saying. Got it. I see I see what you're saying. When you look at this actual face, yeah. I, it doesn't look like the main thing. The main guile aspects of this dude is the hair and the outfit, but like his face is kind of off in terms yeah. of guile. I feel what you're saying there. Especially like, if you compare them to like face when you're you compare them to the Ryu and Chun Li Fortnite skins, those mm-hmm. were a lot better. But I think Capcom just straight up gave them models for that one, and this one they're like, well, what do we do? 
So yeah. Cammy looks fine. Guile, I think, looks super off. Mm. And Ron, I'm like, super Cammy's excited. Face, to see... Sorry, I was going to say, Cammy's face also looks really weird. Yeah. And not like Cammy has ever looked. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, too. Her, I just like the pants. I think it's interesting how many Street Fighter characters now are in Fortnite. Like, it seems like they got a really good good thing going on. Because what? That makes it four between uh, Ryu, um, uh, Chun-Li, Kami, and now Guile. Yep. That's a lot I, of Street Fighter characters in Fortnite. I, I assume at some point they will add Zangief and M. Bison or something. And like... Dude, just know. get them all in there. Just get the whole Street Fighter cast in there. And get then the do, entire World Warrior set in there. And then yeah. make a fighting game mode. <laughs> <laughs> and put it in there and be like cool you, we're making our own street fighter 6 you can ours do, now. you can do one-on-ones using the creation mode i think yeah yeah but like i want fighting game mechanics because in there if you're if you want to make a fighting game mode using the creation mode you're basically going to be you're basically just going to have axes and you're going to be ha- axe chopping each other i want yeah. fists flying i want mechanics i want to do quarter circles i mean you could also just play street fighter at that point yeah who wants to do that <laughs> who wants to do that imran i'm very excited to see what street fighter 6 is and when it eventually is revealed and comes out and is a playstation exclusive yada 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 but all that is just so far away if i wanted to come, if i wanted to know what's coming out to mom and grab shops today where would i look the official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show host each and every weekday today we got stellar warfare for pc 2d and top d for pc enter digiton uh, heart of corruption for switch and then neon hat for psvr new dates for you zool redimensioned the revival of an amiga classic is coming to steam on august 18th i i laughed when that pr came into my inbox i was like Z- am i misreading like who who is bringing back zool what is th- like have you have you heard of zool before I rented Zool as a kid, and all I remember is a level that was like weird candy theme where like diagonal lines were going down, and you were like stuck in like these slippery and sticky surfaces. And I was like, this game sucks. But like maybe I was a kid and maybe I was wrong. But somebody out there was like, this shit is a masterpiece. I need to bring so, it back in the year 2021. Somebody's bringing back Zool, I guess. Good for them. Uh, more for new dates. Soup Pot has been delayed. Uh, that'll be coming to Xbox Series X and S in Steam for PC later in 2021. And then Beat from Jet Set Radio is playable in Super Monkey Ball, Banana Mania, free and unlockable. That's coming uh, October 5th, 2021. Get hyped for that. They said the words Jet Set Radio, which has me excited. <laughs> and then Call to Arms launches in Red Dead Online on August 10th. Batten down the hatches and come to the aid of local townsfolk to fight off waves of enemies in a brand new survival-based mode. If you like Red Dead, if you like Red Dead Online, and you like survival games, Boom, there you go. I saw an interesting uh, tweet from the homie Zach Zweizen, who I like to play a lot of GTA online with. And he mentioned that it's interesting that they're putting out a survival mode for Red Dead right before Halloween time, mm-hmm. when there are talks and possibly rumors of, you know, what, uh, what are they doing with Undead Nightmare? Is that going to come to Red Dead Online? And so I thought that was an interesting thought. Yeah. That was an interesting thought, just throwing that out there. Yeah, I could, I could go for some new Red Dead. Or... I can go over some new Red Dead Halloween content because the Red Dead Nightmares was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to squat up. Of course, you can go over to Patreon.com. So it's kind of funny games. You can write in with your questions, uh, skip the ads, but then also write in 
to squat up and play games with the best friends listening to this show. We got a squat up from Josh, who writes in with one for PC and PlayStation and says, Good morning, kind of funny best friends. I am a longtime WoW player, but with all the recent Blizzard news, I felt it would be a good time to support the industry I love by making th- the transition over to Final Fantasy XIV. As a lifelong Final Fantasy fanboy, I've attempted the game in the past, but, been, but have been overwhelmed with the amount of content. I'm hoping to find some amazing best friends to help navigate me through this incredible game and help me focus on the things that should matter. I work full-time and I have two young children, so my playtimes normally consist of weekday evenings from 7 p.m. to midnight Pacific Standard Time. Hit me up in-game or via PSN and let's make this happen. If you want to play some Final Fantasy XIV with Josh, you can add Josh uh, either on PSN or with the Square Enix ID. It's all the same with the username Masamune. 13 that is spelt m-a-s-a-m-u-n-e-x-i-i-i masamune 13 remember you can go over to kindoffunny.com slash you wrong where you write in a list of what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those listening and watching later on youtube and on podcast services kebabs writes in and says they had multiplayer in slide three actually uh i liked the biplane mode mm. i never so played it that sounds cool Maybe we need to go back and play some slide three. Maybe it's actually a masterpiece and we never we never actually realized. Uh Nano said or uh, Nano writes in and says, Imran mentioned Sucker Punch making a more multiplayer focused game with Infamous. Back in May 2021, new job listings at Sucker Punch already are looking for people to design, quote, a spectacular multiplayer game, implying a new multiplayer focused IP. And I just imagine that's gonna be more ghosts of Tsushima Legends. And so I'm hyped for that. Yeah, I am hyped for that. Uh, Nano writes in again and says 2019 was Keeley's first opening night live. Okay. Uh, Nano also writes in again and says the former Blizz dev uh, is now Undead Labs founder Jeff Strain. Uh, Let's see. Thank you for that. Number one Guile fan. That's not you're wrong, but I'm going to keep that one in my pocket (laughs) because I do want to check out that link. Uh, I think that's good for Yurong. Yeah, we're good for Yurong. Yeah. There, there's some added context here from a, a couple other folks that I appreciate. Uh, people in chat are chanting hashtag save Sly. And so people are very passionate about that Sly Cooper. Uh, and so, I don't know, join the cause. If you're watching on YouTube below, also comment hashtag save Sly, I guess. There you go. Uh, this week's host for Kind of Funny Games Daily go like this. On Thursday, you're getting a Tim Tam Thursday. That's Timothy and Tamor Hussein. Friday, you're getting Greg and Tim. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Barrett continuing on with their playthrough of Metal Gear Solid. If you want to catch that stream later, remember to subscribe to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays. Of course, this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, until next time, game daily. <laughs>